This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl. Air on. Power on. It's time to take your place on the starting grid and get ready for Racer Radio. Your host, Dave Stone, about to take you for a white-knuckled lap around the motorsports industry, covering everything from top-notch national drivers and crew chiefs right down to your local kid racers and racetracks. Watch for the apex, because here comes Racer Radio with Dave Stone. All right, folks, welcome to Racer Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. She's not here to say the answer. Why? Because it's her birthday. So she thinks she's going to go out and play with horses. But that would be Brittany, the racing school teacher. So she wasn't able to come in today. But I'm glad she's having a wonderful, wonderful birthday. She's out with family, horses, and good food. But she didn't leave us hanging. But before that, San Diego Carburetor and Fuel Injection, 6622 University Avenue for all your carburetion needs good place to go also if you have a porsche bmw or a mini cooper black forest motorsports over 40 years experience they can they're up at uh, chuck walla right now racing believe it or not so if you're into street or you know street performance uh, alternative to the dealership or you just want to flat out go driving then you need to check out black forest motorsports at 8066 engineer road in san diego that's blackforestautomotive.com all right, well, Brittany did set us up with a interview, and Steve uh, Kirchner's on the line. He's from, uh, or runs the District 38. Hey, Steve, how you doing? Oh, pretty good. Well, I, I don't run it. I'm just a racer. Well, that's what I meant when I said run it. Not run it, run <laughs> it, but you actually run it with a with a race car. A uh, quad. Oh, so you run the quads. Didn't we have you on, or in studio a while back, and weren't you and, I guess, your wife buying a place in alpine yes yes and uh we've got it and we're very happy up here oh well, i haven't seen any quads go screaming up and down north victoria so i didn't know if you'd moved in or not yet oh that's because we're all over here on east victoria <laughs> well you, you got to get around i mean it's like a big you haven't been up and down that road dude it's like a racetrack i mean it's a complete it'd be a great rally road you know what i'm saying with all the dips and the ups and downs I think I might have heard you once or twice out here. <laughs> no, you'd never hear me. I'm innocent. So, <laughs> so are you are you able to race in uh, California, or do you have to go out of state like just about everybody else? No, we are we are racing again. Um, last year, the first half of the the season was was uh, postponed. We got going again around October, and uh, you know, uh, with the situation mm-hmm. the way it is, you know. Um, racing is no different things you know we've been struggling to get things back together and uh our entries have kind of suffered but uh we're getting things going again well the type of racing you you guys do i mean it's not like anybody gets in the stands and watches the race i mean you're a you're more of a i mean maybe not long distance but your laps are rather long so it really doesn't affect fans in fact you guys don't even really demand the fans as much as some other forms of motorsports. Yeah, it you know, it, being out in the desert, you'd think that we'd be free of any type of you know uh, regulations or, or mitigation, but we do have we do have some uh, some rules we've got to follow. We have to wear masks, uh, mm-hmm. social distance. The the pits are regulated. You know, we're on federal land, so they're keeping an eye on us. Um, 
but we do have things are picking up again. You know, um, we've always got to do a lot of recruiting. I, that's kind of why I was calling in. Oh yeah, what, we, uh, recruiting for what? Well, you know, every year we, we we get new racers and we we other guys retire, and uh, so we've we've always we always want to make people aware that we're out there because. You know, it's it's not something that that's that's in the public eye so much. You know, we're out there in the desert, and it's it's uh we're not on TV. We we don't have a big platform. So like times like this, where I get to get on the radio is pretty big for us. Well, why don't you tell us about District Thirty Eight? What 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 type of racing, and how do people get involved? Well, uh, it, it's desert racing. It's it's a lot like Baja or uh, Best in the Desert. You know. Um, but it's it's not quite that that level. Our races are usually only a hundred miles. Um, uh, the lap is usually twenty twenty five miles. So we do four or five laps. Um, we have motorcycles, quads, and side by sides. Side by sides are just kind of new the last few years, but it's growing it's growing like wildfire. Yeah. Um, we uh, it doesn't it doesn't cost a lot like Baja. You know, you're doing that costs thousands of dollars. This is a Fifty dollar entry fee, uh, thirty dollars, forty dollars to join the district. Um, you have to be an AMA member, uh, but it's just a blast. It's uh, you know anybody that's got any experience out in the desert riding, pretty much anybody with with some time on a bike or a quad can do it. You know um, our courses are marked. Uh, it, it's a real family environment, like most racing. You know. Um, lots of support lots of help um yeah it's it's a great it's a great time it's an adventure like like any type of racing um well anytime you can race i mean i don't care if it's a go-kart a quad side by side a motorcycle you know it all has the thrills and the excitement so let me since you're kind of doing a recruitment uh uh, do you guys ever do any like a you know kind of like a weekend open house just to have new people come out and try different vehicles and maybe get a little training on site? Uh, We've never done anything like that before, but that is an excellent idea. Wouldn't that be a good Um, idea? Oh, yeah. that. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I mean, all you got to do is find yourself a little area where you guys normally run and, you know, like an invitation, you know, maybe not invitation, but open it up and have people register and, you know, and if you had two or three different types of vehicles there that they could try out, you know, and even per, maybe even provide them with gear. You know, I mean, there's plenty of rental companies that'll, you know, have them help sponsor it to have different vehicles out there. Because I find, and I do this a lot here in town, like if I try to help Barona Speedway, I just go to the TV station and I put reporters in, in race cars. And they'll just, they just don't stop talking. And that's what you're looking for is word of mouth, people getting the word out. So, you know, you might want to think about putting something together. And and I'm happy to, you know, have you to come to KUSI first, let everybody know, let's say in two weeks you're going to be at su- such and such a place. And then here's a website and an email, you know, sign up. And if that makes it make, I mean, I'm sure that will make a big difference because a lot of these, I mean, when you go out to the desert, there's a million side-by-sides, a million quads, and a million motorcycles. So if just 10% of those guys and girls came out to your event, you guys would be set. That is is really an excellent idea. It's actually got my mind really, really, (laughs) really uh, 
we could we you know something like a parade lap even around the marked course so yeah. we could see what they're what they're getting into that would be i'm going to run this by the 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 president of the uh, of the district and and maybe we can get something going like that because I, I think that would make a lot of people more comfortable sure um well, that's, I mean, that's really an excellent idea. And I'm happy if you want if you want me to sit in on the media and talk about the media side of it and getting the word out, you know, getting getting people in these vehicles. Because most of the time, people, the reason they don't race is because, one, they don't know how, and number two, they think it's too expensive. And then there's that fear factor. Well, if you take them in and kind of take them by hand and take them on a you know a slow lap or you know one lap you know and then maybe a little bit faster and then give them tips on what to do what not to do yeah and then and then you'd be giving back and who knows you might even be able to get a grant or two you never know stranger things yeah yeah um and you know th- th- these side-by-sides most of them oh. are are really they're race ready yeah um it's just a matter of of, of getting the safety equipment you know, some window nets, a light bar, uh, some fire suits, stuff like that, and you're you're ready to go. The suspension on these things are amazing. Yeah. You know, it's they're they're basically little little Baja race vehicles. Yep. That, you know, out of the box, yep. they, they're pretty indestructible. So, and uh, like you said, there are so many of them out there now, thousands and thousands of them. You know, and I I guarantee there's some drivers out there with some talent that could really you know give us a run for our money out there that don't know about it and that's fine you're ready for that i'll take a can-am maverick turbo please thank you very much a little too soon yeah <laughs> i'm a yamaha guy so i, I want the yxz yeah you know there's but, a story behind that car too all right buddy hey well thanks a million for calling in talk to the president you got my email let's get together and put together something for tv i'm working on march and we'll see if we can make something happen for you. And then also we'll throw some radio at you uh, just to help. And that way when you're talking to people, I'd get sponsorships for your event as well and let them know, hey, sponsor us and we'll get you on radio and TV. I'm here for you, buddy. All right. Thanks, man. I appreciate this opportunity. All right. Well, go think about it. <laughs> All right. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Peter Starr is in the house all the way from the other side of the pond. On FM 96.1, AM 1170, The Answer. All right, folks. Welcome back to Racer Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170, The Answer. The segment is brought to you by El Cajon Ford, where absolutely nobody treats you better than El Cajon Ford. You can go to ElCajonMotors.com. Uh, he's uh, over there uh, just the other day, and uh, Paul Dyke's got the Tremor. He's got uh, he's got the uh, Ford Bronco Sport. I'm just telling you, there is a lot going on at El Cajon Ford, and they support Barona Circle Track real well. That's BaronaSpeedway.com. The word is a schedule may be out next week, so keep your eyes and ears open, ladies and gentlemen. Because once Barona comes back, everybody's going to be just wild to go back. All right. Well, uh, Peter, what have you been up to? Well, I was in England for a month. Um, it's supposed to have been three weeks, but they closed down Portugal. I was supposed to go to Portugal, and they closed that down, so that didn't happen. So it's, it's worse the- over there than it is here, would you say? No. Uh, it's just different. Mm. Um, I think it's equally over-regulated, and um, 
England is particularly bad. I mean, the police are now authorized to give out a ticket if you don't wear a mask, two hundred pound fine, which is about two hundred and forty dollars. Whoa! Um, and they can do. So are they doing it? Do you think? Oh, they are. Wow. Yeah, it's not all over the country, but they are doing it. The other thing was they have England set up in zones. And if you drive from zone one to the other, there's a chance there might be a roadblock to check you why you're doing that. Why are you traveling? Wow. It's uh, it, different parts of the country have taken it uh, literally, literally as yeah. to what the government says you should be doing. Um, yeah, it's pretty bad. Wow. Well, welcome back to the freedom. Freedom. Yeah. <laughs> People need to hear what you just said, because let me tell you. Yeah, I mean, not every country out there thinks the same uh, same way we do. So when you're over in Europe, what, so I guess, you know, is motorsports still alive and well? Uh, only well, British Superbikes doing well. Doing well. Uh, no spectators, but a lot of television. Mm-hmm. And they're doing very well uh, with revenue from television and sponsors and so on. Well, really, that's where the majority of the money yeah, is. Yeah, it's a great series. Yeah. Uh, MotoGP is still good and not coming to America next year. I heard that. What, yeah. what 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 do you think the reasoning for that is? Well, it's the restrictions of travel. They're not doing South America. Yeah. They're trying to put together something in China, I hear. Uh, the Chinese have said, please come to China. So I understand that's possibly on the agenda. But uh, essentially, it's going to be a European world championship. Wow. You know, two or three races in one location, move on to another location, yeah. and so on. Yeah. Um, well, you know, and, and if they go to China, which... My personal opinion is I wouldn't go since they're the cause of this mess as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but can you imagine all the different tracks that they would run that they probably never ran before? Well, they're not running Australia. They're not running uh, Malaysia, of course, which is they used to be the what yeah. they call the uh, flyaway series. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's not going to happen. But if they go back to China. Have I they mean, been in China before? I've never. I've been to Taiwan, but not mainland. China. But I mean, have they? Have they? Uh, oh, this yeah. series. Yeah, oh, yeah. this series did race. Yeah. Okay. All right. But uh, it's not like Formula One, where it's a regular, been a regular thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, but they've been there before. But I think China's opening up a lot more than than we are in terms of being open to things. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I understand Formula One's going there this next year. Really. And um, but that could change tomorrow. I mean, oh, they, yeah, yeah. the way the way that the governments are treating us, uh, it, everything could change tomorrow. Sure. Yeah, without I mean, a shadow. It's already changed after January the 20th, you can see what's changed. Oh no, no, yeah. I <laughs> I know. It's only been he's only been in office what? A week and we've already lost 70,000 jobs and gas prices are going sky high. I mean, it's just yeah, it's Hang on, folks. That's all I got to say. Yeah, well, strap yourself in. Yeah. Well, I watched uh, – you probably didn't get a chance to watch Supercross last night. I don't know if you're a Supercross I, fan. Uh, I sometimes watch it, but uh, as you know, I've been down here working on other projects. Right. And, um, it's Not all day. automotive or motorcycle related. Well, the other half of my life is I run a foundation. Uh, it's called Surviving Prostate Cancer. The foundation is called Healing Arts Education Foundation. And I work a lot with consulting with men that have prostate cancer. Mm. Uh, I'm a 16-year survivor without surgery, drugs, or radiation. Uh, no conventional treatment at all. Mm-hmm. We have a documentary out uh, that was on PBS, and now I have a new book. Mm-hmm. And um, if people are interested in that side of what I do, the website is called survivingprostatecancer.org. And yeah, well, if you was- can do it without without, because me, I mean, chemo reminds me of bloodletting. You know, back in the day, yeah, sure. Doesn't that kind of that same mentality? It seems like well, I mean, you, 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 cancer isn't caused by a lack of chemotherapy. It's not caused by <laughs> a, a lack of radiation. No, not at all. And th- there's other things that can be done, and there's a lot more out there that really 
worked. I guess the the main problem is if you believe this current pandemic situation, you'll believe anything. And if you believe anything, you'll believe that there isn't no alternatives to what sure. currently is the norm for for cancer. Right. No, I, I dude, I am right there 100%. Mm-hmm. If I've said it once, I've said it 100 times. If it doesn't make sense, follow the money. Uh, I'll always follow the money. Yeah, because you know if it doesn't make any sense whatsoever, yeah. money's in there someplace, somewhere, somehow. You know, like if they're going to say, well, we're going to close all the deserts so nobody can go off-roading, nobody can ride a motorcycle in the desert. What are you talking about? What? There's got to be a reason. Oh, I see. You want to build something out there. I get it. And you're paying somebody to shut it down so you can build, whether it be a solar farm or a wind farm or something. But there's always some money involved. Absolutely. There's no doubt. I'm surprised you didn't go to Dakar. <laughs> What's really funny is, I mean, uh, you know, I've got a new podcast, which is what I want to talk to you about oh. on my motorcycle, motorcycle side. But one of the guests I'm trying to get on uh, in the near future is um, is Brabeck, who was the the winner last year. Yeah, came second this year, and um, what a what a great example he's oh. setting for 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 that type of racing. Right, I mean, it's, it's brilliant. But uh, the new podcast, which is available through my other website, which is MotoStar M O T O S T A R dot com, pretty good. Um, my first season is all American World Champions. And we've got nine up there right now. We did Freddie Spencer, Brad Lackey, Bruce Penhall, Greg Hancock, uh, Kevin Schwantz, Wayne Rainey, Kenny Roberts, Eddie Lawson. And I've missed one out somewhere. Forgive yeah, me. you did. Uh, <laughs> but I can't think of what it is, but that's that, okay. That's, oh, Steve Baker. There you Steve go. Baker. That's, that's the nine we've got up there now. I just interviewed uh, Fred Merkel yesterday. Oh, did you? And it'll go up hopefully this coming Wednesday. Um, but what I try to do is, because it's a video podcast, I try to draw from footage that I got from the many years I spent making motorcycle racing movies sure. to illustrate various points that they talk about. Right. And that makes is what makes these podcasts different from basically the others. There's a visual, a real good visual aspect to it. Yours is kind of like a talking storybook. So, something like that. Yeah, something yeah. like that. And that's because I have to tell you, I read every kind of book imaginable, and I always have to have my phone with me. Because let's say if they bring up a 1972 Moto Guzzi Type 7 and there's no picture in the book, I got to get my phone out. and I got Because I have to know what I'm reading about. I have to look at it. So doing a podcast and then having pictures to go right along with it or video, that's that's I think that's a great idea. Well, we're trying to do that. And uh, we haven't got a sponsor for it yet, but I've done nine episodes. And we're looking for some serious sponsorship mm-hmm. for it. To, uh, but it's going to, after the first series is over of American World Champions, we're going to open it up to be like um, a window on the world of motorcycling. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did three interviews in the UK while I was there. One with uh, Elspeth Beard, who was the first British woman to ride around the world solo. 1982, she was only 22 years old. Wow. And she rode through Iran, Iraq, and Pakistan as a woman, single, on a motorcycle. That takes some cojones, I tell you. And she probably didn't ask any permission to go through. She just jumped on her bike and... Right. Times were different in 1982, and, uh, and yeah, that's women women were not treated no well in those countries whatsoever. So anyway, she's one of my guests. What'd I, she ride? You remember? Um, BMW. Ah, yeah, it's what was was then the I think it was the RT eighty mm-hmm, in those mm-hmm. days. Yeah, um, it was a kind of a, she built the bike herself before she went, which is equally amazing. Twenty two yeah. year old woman doing that in 1982. No, kidding. so she and she's a, an amazing architect today. 
she, terrific lady. I mean, she built her own. She lives in a water tower that she converted from a water tower into a multi-story residence. And <laughs> I've been there. It's absolutely amazing. Yeah. But, and she uh, did all the work herself. Totally. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And she's a great architect. I did two others there. Michael Scott, who is um, probably the most prolific writer in motorcycling terms of books. He wrote the Wayne Rainey book and several other books. And uh, he writes the Motocourse book every edits that. Mm-hmm. He writes for Cycle News every week. Um, and he and I spent an hour together. And then uh, Nick Harris, who was the voice of motorsports for 20, uh, MotoGP for 28 years, yeah. just retired, got a new book. We talked to him. Well, you should be able to find some kind of sponsorship, I would think. Well, we're looking at it now. It's uh, We're going global. We've just uh, signed a deal with a young guy who's going to handle my uh, social media, which will help us get, bigger, get a bigger audience. Gotcha. But I'm talking to people for the future, like um, you know uh, Peter Hickman, who holds the lap record in the Isle of Man, 135 miles an hour, if you can imagine that. Um, I spoke with him. He'll come on. Jonathan Ray's coming on. Uh, who's the six-time world superbike champion? I mean, we're we're now brand, once we get through the American Champion Series, mm-hmm. we're going to open up a lot into a world. Well, I have always said, and that's what I try to do with radio. You know, I try to find radio, you know, like yourself. You know, to get you on radio, I've got you on tape. I've got I've got something that you have said that will stay with us for the rest of our lives mm-hmm. and the lives in the future. And we don't do that enough. You know, and I think what you're doing is huge because you're not just picking out two or three top riders. You're trying to cover a whole history of, of the sport. So people can go to your, your podcast and, you know, Moto Star, S-T-A-R-R, and they can listen to maybe maybe they read a book about a particular rider that they don't know anything about. Well, they can go to your site now and actually watch the video, see a picture of this individual, listen to him talk. I just, you know, somebody out of the clear blue sent me a a segment I had done with um, Marty Smith at KUSI. I actually kind of semi-forgot about it, to be honest with you, but somebody had sent it to me, and it was only three to four minutes, but it was such a great video. I sent it to his family because they didn't, they didn't have a copy of it, so now they have something that they can hang on to for future, you know, kids that come up in in that family that'll know who their grandfather great-grandfather what have you so you're doing the right thing and i i applaud you for it but anyway we got to take a quick break because we're on fm 96.1 am 1170 the answer Is a burning thing. All right, folks. Hey, welcome back to Racer Radio, FM 96.1 AM 1170, The Answer. The segment's brought to you by Paris Auto Speedway. Uh, the schedule is out. The track is being prepped. And you have to put it on your calendar to take a run up there because once they open back up, it's going to be a lot of fun. Hey, Scott Delosio hooked me up with Dave uh, Blackshear. He is with Pace Performance. How you doing, Dave? Well, it's Don, actually. Oh, I'm sorry. I might have just <laughs> no read. No problem, Dave. <clears throat> see what he did, but that's okay. So now, from what I understand, you're providing the engines for the uh, new series, the SoCal Sprint uh, Cars? 
Yes, we are the engine supplier for the program. Uh, my name is Don Blackshear, and I'm the director of Circle Track Engine Development for Pace Performance. Gotcha. So, what does that entail? What, I mean, what 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 is a day in the life of Don? A uh, day in the life of Don is working with a lot of the sanctioning bodies and tracks around the country. Uh, developing uh, cost containment uh, crate engine programs uh, to support weekly racing. And I'm sure you haven't gotten an awful lot of, uh, you know, you know, pushback because for the price that your engine package runs and being extremely competitive and not costing the driver or the racer virtually any money unless they abuse it, would be a pretty positive uh, step in the right direction, I would think. Yes, when it's a standalone division where they basically start with a blank sheet of paper and develop a cost containment type entry-level race program, uh, it's pretty easy to do. There are some areas that I do blending where we take a crate engine and compete against open competition engines. Uh, that's a little tougher to do, but we've been very successful at that also. So. Well, you know, especially on dirt, you know, the, the, the engine and the suspension and all that is one thing, but the driver's still the determining factor. I mean, you can give me the fastest, baddest race car you build, and if I can't drive it, it's not, it's just not going to do any good. I used to crew chief for a guy, and I used to scream at him at the pits, push your foot down on the gas pedal, because he was slower than the second coming. He used to drive me crazy. Yeah, that, that's the one thing with the little wingless sprint car program. Uh, when you control the components that you can uh, spend money on to gain performance, such as the engine, shocks, tires, things of that nature, it basically puts the racing back into the talent and ability of the driver uh, and the crew that works on the car. And to be honest with you, that's what racing is supposed to be about in the first place. We're uh, trying to get divisions where we're not racing checkbooks like they are right. in a lot of divisions today. So. Well, I hate to tell you, but that's why I tell people go go kart racing. You know, if you don't have a, a budget, go go kart racing. You know, you can't you can't get any cheaper than a, than a go kart even on the dirt. But the beauty of of karting, I think, is your series is a stepping stone for that carter that's, that just can't get enough of it. Because I think going from a go kart to to your series would be an easy transition, especially if they were decent drivers easier to get a sponsorship to help you out uh, i i think you guys are in the right place at the right time personally right yes that's uh i mean our market space is for for people that want to have a race a sprint car uh type car and these things basically you can be in a first class type operation for 15 to twenty thousand dollars turnkey uh both my sons actually race them in the series here on the east uh, we came from racing modifieds where you're basically racing checkbooks on weekends. Yeah. Uh, and this deal has worked out great for us because they're very easy on tires. The maintenance program mm -hmm. is very minor on them. And, uh, you know, people's time today, we don't have time to spend five and six nights a week in the garage anymore. So this program with the maintenance on it is very minimal. So basically it's one to two nights and you're done. Yeah. And it's a sealed component. I mean, yes. you don't even have to go yeah. near it. How about now? Do they, does it come with a transmission, or do you provide that? No, sprint cars are direct drive, okay. but Very our good. application comes with a balance hub and yoke assembly, so it fits in a conventional sprint car 
drive line and that's the unique thing about our package is it's basically a plug and play you do not have to modify the car in any way to put this engine in the car uh, even down to the throttle linkage and stuff attaches just like a normal mechanical fuel injection would mm-hmm. uh, in a sprint car so basically it's from when you get the box with the engine in it taking it out of the box put it in the car within a couple of hours you're ready to head to the racetrack ready wow. to go and you run fuel injection no, these are these are actually a carbureted version. Okay. So it, it was all about simplicity when we started developing this program five years ago uh, for dirt car. Uh, it was all about simplicity, uh, and the racers coming from the karting world or the street stock world mm-hmm. or mini stock world or things that want to get a sprint car, they didn't really understand mechanical fuel injection, and it's very easy to burn the engine up on mechanical fuel injection by mistuning it. So we went the carburetor application, so it's very basic, simple, and people kind of have a concept of how it works, and it basically makes it very user-friendly, right. uh, and that way you focus on your racing, driving, and, and uh, you know mechanically setting the car up. Yeah. No, that's but the only reason I bring it up is we've got an engine builder out here, and at the dirt track we're at for modified, or not, not sprint cars, but mainly for like modifieds. He's been trying to get everybody to go fuel injections, you know, just for the cost factor. But I, I see, I, see, I think in your series, it just makes a lot better sense to run carburation because you pretty much, you do, is the driver or the crew chief allowed to do anything with a carburetor or is that sealed as well? No, the carburetor, he can change jetting, power okay. valves, air bleeds, things of like that. Gotcha. The engine. And that's the one thing the racer can still tune it. Uh, when you get the engine from me, everything's been set and calibrated with the carburetor. And most all the guys that use this package, whether it's with our rush program or with our program at Knoxville Raceway that we do, uh, they pretty much leave the carburetor alone. It's just, uh, you know, it's kind of self-tuning to a point and, you know, and it just go race it and have fun. I mean, basically your weekly maintenance on this thing is to service the air filter. Uh, and basically you go five nights on it and you change oil. And that's pretty much the only maintenance on it through the year. Wow. Uh, I do recommend after 20 to 25 nights of racing to put a set of valve springs on it. Uh, but they're like less than $60 for a set of valve springs. So uh, it's basically just a, a kind of a maintenance free, but there is a little bit of maintenance, but not much compared to a conventional sprint car. And if you have a valve spring tool that you know how to operate, you know, you can do the sure. valve springs yourself. Right. And, and my whole philosophy is, is I educate my customers because I want them to mechanically learn how to service the engine. Mm-hmm. So in turn, it makes my life a lot easier, uh, you know, with answering questions and things of that nature. Right. And which means your hotline, you know, must be there quite a few hours of the day and evening for, for drivers that <clears throat> do have an issue, you know, that they can, yeah. they can get a hold of you. Well, and that's the thing with our customers. I mean, this business, I'll be honest with you, it's a 24-7 deal <laughs> uh, because you have to look at racers. Most of them work their jobs during the day, and they yeah. work on their car at night. Yeah. Well, if they run into a problem, they need to have access to me, so everyone gets my cell phone number right. uh, so they can pretty much reach me 24-7 uh, anytime they need me for information. So what was your background? What got you into uh, uh, sealed crate motors? Well, I was actually a drag racer uh, and raced in HRA for years and had a lot of success there in alcohol dragsters and stuff. And I started building sprint car engines, open engines, uh, to help supplement the income with the, the drag race car. And what happened for me to get into the crate world is uh, Dirt Car had approached uh, Pace Performance about doing 
a sealed sprint car program. Well, at that time, there was no one at Pace that really understood the sprint car stuff. So they came to me because of our relationship, and then GM got involved, and I developed the components to put a crate engine into a sprint car, uh, and then just started it from there when I developed an engine for Knoxville Raceway uh, that's basically taken over the vision out there, and we have a crate engine now that the entire class uses out there. Wow. So, you know, it just comes from drag racing and being an engine builder and, yeah. then, you know, trying to look at controlling costs because the thing that, that hurts racing is the, there's no control on the cost to be competitive. And that's what we try to look at and focus on controlling the things that you can gain performance mm-hmm. so that it's equal for everyone. Well, you'll get a lot more people to participate when they know the playing field is level. And I don't mean yeah. that in a negative way, because we all know in the racing community, you know, fudging the rules is, is, is looked upon as, hey, nice job, man. You figured that out. But when you seal something like an engine or, you know, not transmissions in your world, but when you seal something and you push the talent to the steering wheel and not to the four wheels, you know, I, I think I think that gives a lot of people that opportunity to say, hey, you know, I might be competitive. I got to go out and give this a try. Where before the guy can say my checkbook isn't isn't fat enough to you know buy the fuel, let alone buy the car. Right. And with the way the rules are structured in it, it, it controls everything. So you can actually, you know, put a budget together and know what you're going to invest to go race. Right. And not have to worry about the trick of the week coming out that cost you $2,500 to keep up with the next guy. And that was the whole concept behind this. And the program over here that we run with the Rush Series, we started out the first year, we had eight to 12 cars, and now we're up to 40 cars in Whoa. three years. Well, then so you're, it's, yeah, it works. The concept works. Yeah. And it, it's just, when you look at it, you know, for what people are spending in the micro sprints and the 600s and things like that, yeah. uh, you know, for fifteen to $20,000, you can have a full-size sprint car and go race it, and it's all about your talent and ability. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's not one racer out there that doesn't, that want, doesn't want the situation of having an apple against an apple, and if I'm better than you, then I'm going to beat you. That's and easy. there's more gratification as a driver knowing that when you're in level level competition, level you know, vehicles, cars, tires, everything, when it comes down to your talent and you have success, then that really shows that you have this ability to be better than everyone on that given day. So, uh, you know, that's very important. Well, it's kind of like racing back in the day. Remember back in the day, and I'll just use NASCAR for an example. You know, if you were a young kid and you're coming to one of the race teams, what'd they put you in? Junk. They put you in the worst car they had just to see what kind of talent you had. Because if you could right. drive it and do well with junk, just think what you could do with quality. Well, that really hurt the industry from a talent point of view, if you ask me. Because you know as well as I do, there are bucket loads of guys and girls out there that have all the talent in the world, just no money. Right. right. Yep. And I, w- I was kind of one of those guys in, in racing in HRA, and I had a lot of success in call Dragster, but as the the cost to be competitive oh. continued to decrease every year and every year. It got to the point where I just had to walk away because yeah. I couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. And that's what I give back to this stuff. And in every division that we've started this in, you know, we've had drivers like at Knoxville that have moved into the three sixties, the four tens. We've had racers over here in our series with the rush program 
that have moved from our class into the 410 class. So it's a good feeder division, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and if you have talent, you know, there's a possibility to get discovered, move on up the food chain, so to speak. Stranger things have happened. All right, buddy. Hey, it was great talking to you. Why don't you throw a website out just in case somebody wants more information? Yeah, well, everybody can go to uh, www.paceperformance.com. Uh, and go to our website, and there's a circle track division there. Just click on that, and it'll take you, and then you can choose the Sprint Car link, and it'll show you all the components we offer for the Sprint Car. Uh, And then the phone number would be 888-748-4655, and my extension is 1165. If anybody has any questions, they can give me a call. All right, Don. Well, thank you very, very much. Enjoy the rest of your week, and, and I have a sneaky feeling we'll be talking to you throughout the year as things progress. Yep. Thank you very much for the opportunity to be on your show, Dave, and I look forward to speaking with you in the the future. You got it, buddy. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick break. This is Racer Radio on FM 96.1, AM 1170, The Answer. All right, folks, welcome back to Racer Radio. Brittany, and I hope you and your dad and mom are having a great birthday party out there. I hope you're not all riding that same horse. Hopefully you have more than one horse. Hey, this segment is brought to you by Certified Car Clinic, 1137 North Woodside Avenue. They'll work on everything in your garage. That's right. And they also deal with hose specialties. Trick plumbing, you know that braided line stuff that you can put under your hood? I personally hate that stuff because it always pokes holes in my fingers. But Matt and his team, they'll put together... Fuel lines, air lines, water lines, whatever you need for your hot rod or race car. And if you're into sand cars, they're big on that. Performance, they have their own in-house dyno. And they'll work on your everyday Toyota and camera as well. Certified Car Clinic, right down the street from the drive-in, right next to Wayne Miller Tire. You can't miss it. All right, hey, we're hanging out here with uh, Peter Starr. And Peter is working on... Some podcasts, they're kind of like a visual podcast, not your normal podcast where it's just like what you and I are doing now. Yeah, it is. Uh, we has a video component, which we do try to do live. Uh, when we The first series is all American World Champions. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's well, motorcycle, right? Motorcycles, totally motorcycles. It, it, um, I wouldn't know enough about cars. I'd have to come to you to deal with the cars. <laughs> but it's... Um, uh, when we do, when we start to lay them out, I say, well, the, you know, we can't do a lot because of COVID, so it's all Zoom done. Except, Kenny Roberts said, no, he said, I don't do computers. If you want to do this, you have to come down and visit with me. Okay. So off we went to uh, where he lives, and it turns out he's, you know, Eddie Lawson lives just around the corner from him, Oops. quite literally. So the Eddie Lawson episode and the, um, the Kenny Roberts episode were done uh, in person. That's two birds with one stone. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and it's going to be the same with uh, John Kaczynski and uh, Debbie Evans, and uh, we'll probably do those in person as well. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I mean, you sit across the room. You put a camera up. I mean, you're not going to be hugging each other doing this. Well, when Ro- Roberts has a way about it, the way he talks, um, particularly to people that you think he likes, and... Um, <laughs> I, I said to him, Kenny, it's been it's been fifty years since I first filmed you, nineteen seventy four, and and he, and I said it's been fifty years. I said, who would have thought we'd been sitting down doing this interview now? And he said, not me. He said, I would have. I thought I'd have killed you by now. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and he'll come out with those kind of things, and uh, but that's that's Kenny. Fifty years, isn't that amazing? 
dude, that's just insane. Yeah. I mean, because, you know, I still think of Kenny Roberts as still, you know, a pretty young driver, a rider. He's 69, I think, now. Yeah, isn't that amazing? And uh, and he's still got the hot spot that he, he's always had. Yeah. I mean. Uh, Who do we have? Lars Larson in here? He's And he's out running races out oh, of yeah. Glen Helen. And was he in his 80s? Lars Larson. I did a film called The Bad Rock Band in 1973, and Lars was in that film. And I said, I questioned him. Uh, he was doing the Bad Rock Enduro. And I said to him, uh, you know, do you, what do you do? Do you carry a snake bike kit on your, on your outfit? And he says, you got snakes up here? You know, <laughs> and his face went totally white. Oh, he doesn't like snakes. <laughs> That's a good story. That's a good one. I'm telling yeah. you. Well, you know, and so now do the podcast, do they air at a specific time and day? We try to put them up uh, on uh, YouTube uh, through our website, motorstar.com. To start with two hours on a Wednesday night, but with my travel schedule this past month, uh, I kind of missed two. Yeah, Wednesdays. Well, you're not going to do that for a while after and, what you just went through. Well, we we hope to get Fred Merkel up this coming Wednesday, yeah. and then depending upon the schedule of Kenny Roberts Jr., he'll be next. So and, now, is that Wednesday? What what time? Uh, we usually try to get it up by seven thirty in the evening. Is that Pacific time? Yeah. Okay, seven thirty Pacific time at Moto M O T O S T A R R. And you just go to YouTube? Uh, you can go to YouTube under the – we have a Motostar video channel. Okay. And they're all posted up there. Otherwise, I've not done a podcast yet. I mean, I've done a podcast where mm-hmm. I called into it, but I've not physically went to a computer because I have no idea how to find a podcast. Well, you just go to the go to my website and it's all there. It's, okay. We try to make it as simple as possible. Good. For all those old guys? <laughs> Trust me. Speak for yourself. <laughs> Fifty years ago, I might have figured it out, but I don't know about today. And so, what was your reasoning for capturing all these motorcycle riders? Well, I'll be quite honest. You know, um, I make my living these days. I mean, I'm not a young guy anymore, and I make my living from giving talks. I travel the country and I do film nights. I'll do talk shows. Oh, cool. um, and, and I've got book sales, as you know. You've right. talked about my books. And all of a sudden, because of uh, the government uh, restrictions in this last year, we've not been able to give talks. I've not been able to do film shows. So all of a sudden, my income went from reasonable to zero. Yeah. And I said, where do we go from here? Yeah, hello. Now, I'd done a lot of um, heritage interviews, interviews with people like Gary Nixon, Joe Leonard, and people like that that were active motorcyclists that are now gone. And I've got like 30 some odd of those that are archived. Oh, wow. And um, we've been trying to get a deal with the AMA to make them part of the AMA Hall of Fame. Sure. Uh, that hasn't happened yet. And I said, well, let's do something else. Let's honor America's world champions. And, right. Uh, um, it doesn't matter. I've got two speedway racers, Brad Lackey, uh, you know, the motocrosser, the rest are road racers. I'm trying to get other people like, you know, Danny Laporte, other motorcyclists. I'm going to do, hopefully, Brabeck because of his um, Paris-Dakar win. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it'll become a window on motorcycling rather than just road racers or motocrossers like I've got now. So let me – now, where are you based at? Uh, Los Angeles. Okay. Because what you know, what I'd like mm-hmm. to do is if you could get one or two, just even one, if that's all you can get, a vintage motorcycle, come to San Diego like on a Friday night or a Saturday night, spend the night, then come to KUSI TV. I'll give you a TV segment that has the largest viewers in San Diego County, and this is a motorcycle mecca down here. As does you does it well have know. to be Vincent? Um, I mean, a uh, vintage. 
Why? Well, you want to bring a brand new one? No, 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 no. But I mean, you know. It's, uh, well, but I may say vintage. Remember, you and I are over 50. So it's kind of, <laughs> anything you and I think about is is vintage. Yes. Yeah, no, true. you know, like an old race bike, maybe a, a Kenny Roberts bike or, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I'll let you figure that out because I know you know enough people in San Diego. Heck, Lars Larson's from here, right? He lives down this way. Yeah. I think he's got a bucket load of. Yeah, vin- and you know. Don Emdy is not far from here, you know. Yeah. So if you're yeah. interested in doing that. Sure. Send me an email. You have my email. You bet. And then we'll, because I'm telling you, every time I put, we had a guy that, this is going to sound really crazy, but he needed teeth. And he was called the Highwayman. And he drove a 54 Mercury converted ambulance. Looks like a station wagon. Yeah. Up and down, all over the place. Flat tires, run out of gas, you name it. He was there. Never charged a dime. Did it for like, I don't know how many hundreds of years, hundreds of thousands mm-hmm. of miles. So they said, hey, he needs teeth, and we're trying to raise money. Can we bring him in? I go, well, I don't normally do that on TV, but because it's who he is who he is, sure, let's bring him in. Well, you know, they only had like six, $7,000 in this little GoFundMe. Mm-hmm. So they came to KUSI, did a little dog and pony show, left, and then he got he called me that afternoon. That afternoon, and he had $57,000. Wow. Well, you know, we did So that's that. the kind of, yeah, yeah. we... We did the Marty Smith thing, if you remember. Exactly, there, but yeah. I'm happy to do that again for you, to especially with the All American, uh, you know, racers that you're putting on your podcast, and let people know about it. Why not? Well, somebody has to get this history put down. Yes, and right. that's the it become the part of my life now. It's almost virtually impossible to make the kind of movie that I would like to make because of the sheer cost of doing it. <laughs> and so I've decided to make a, a, a turn in my life and create these programs to um, to preserve literally mm-hmm. in person talks with the very people that made our very history yeah no and and you should be honored for that because you know i, I it's funny whenever i I've, I've got a young driver sitting in front of me or a young motorcycle racer and sitting in front of me and he's like eight nine ten years old i tell every single one of them get a diary Oh, yeah, absolutely. Every night before you go to bed, you fill out one or two pages of how your day went. Good, bad, ugly, and different. And when you get to be 40, 50 years old, whether you're successful or not, that's either a bestseller book or it's a bestseller movie. Because every one of us have a great story. Absolutely. Don't you agree? I do. And when you interview these writers, I know you're in awe most of the time as to how they got to where they're at, especially back in the day. I mean, technology, motorcycle technology was ridiculous. Well, Kenny Roberts said something in the interview I did with him. He said when he started his team, after he won three world championships, then he started a team. He said, I had five mechanics when I started my team. Mm -hmm. When several years later, when he finished, he had 45 mechanics. Crazy. That's the difference between the simplicity of racing and where racing has become today, where it's literally cubic dollars these days. That's amazing. So last but not least, before we leave Prostate. I understand you're doing a, uh, a a program there as well. Well, uh, I've have done, a book. I've got a new book. It's called Prostate Cancer, Why We Get It, What to Do About It. It's full of the pros and cons of conventional treatment and the pros and cons of natural treatment. I chose natural. I'm 16 years a survivor. Awesome. Um, and uh, I would recommend that if anybody is faced with anything to do with prostate disease, that they take a look at this book before they make any decisions about their treatment. How do they find the book? Um, survivingprostatecancer.org. Okay, I'll remember that. 
Buddy, it's always good having you in. Likewise. It's always good to come See, to San Diego. See, you were crying because Brittany wasn't here. Oh, God, you should You saw the tears running down. Hey, tears you, running down. I know. You noticed I sent you a text that said she wasn't going to be here. I know, and I didn't believe you. I know you didn't. Well, she's still out <laughs> riding her horse. All right, buddy. Good talking to you, folks. Take a break. We'll be right back. But don't go anywhere. Gun Owners Radio is right on the corner. And if they got news for you on FM 961, AM 1170, The Answer. This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl.